So, in light of February, we took, we probably had about 20 different questions um, that people asked that ranged all over the place. And so, um, I just wanted to be able to see anybody. <laughs> so hopefully um, we just wanted to just try something different and just do something different. And we're going to tackle uh, maybe a different subject each month. Maybe, you know, it might not even be Kim or I. Maybe it'll be somebody else. Maybe some of y'all will be up here. Um, and just kind of answering questions, kind of engaging in discussions and things like that. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to cover a bunch of different type of topics and things like that just for something different. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, first I just wanted to announce a couple of things. We have uh, women's brunch tomorrow at 1230. Um, we also have men's brinner on Monday at 630. Mm. Cracker Barrel Buda. So hopefully y'all can get there. Oh, Mama's house for the women's brunch at uh, 12, at 1230. Um, and then just wanted to kind of like, you know, a, a lot of what we're saying up here, don't take it as like, this is Jesus talking, but rather take everything that we say and filter it yourself through the word of God. Because yes, of course, we're looking at everything from a biblical worldview and, um, you know, there will be some scripture, but there's also our opinion and uh, the way that we interpret the Bible, the way that we are viewing these specific subjects. So it's not that it's the end all be all. And if you have a change of opinion, this isn't about like our way is the right way, you know, but but rather just like, hey, we all we all deal with these things. So um, hopefully that's kind of the context that we can lay it in. And we're by no means do we think we're the experts by, you know, this is just kind of the first go around and we're going to see how it goes and uh, then go from there. Cool. So do you want to take a card? Any card? Sure. Ooh, all right. <laughs> why have a spouse in the spiritual sense? If God is all we need, why get married? How does it benefit my walk with God? I want a spouse, but it feels wrong like I'm betraying God. Will this help build my relationship with him? So there's multiple questions here. So why have a spouse in the spiritual sense? Um, if God is all we need, why get married? Well, I mean, let's just start at the beginning of that. Like, we, we really aren't supposed to be married. If you just draw it all the way back, if you're like Jesus, you don't get married. But that that isn't, he, he also created Adam and Eve. And so he did create us to have relationships. Clearly, that's why there's an Eve that came. <laughs> and so I, he created marriage as well. Um, but he created it with the idea that our, we would first have the relationship with him that our relationship first and foremost would be him. And then marriage is actually supposed to become then a direct reflection of that relationship. So, uh, I mean, we can go, we can take that back to every question that's probably asked tonight, but um, do you want to? Yeah. So a lot of times I think we, 
sometimes we can take the spiritual aspect out of marriage, but really marriage is a spiritual union, you know, and there's something very spiritual about being married. And so, of course, if the reflection is our relationship between the church and God, then it would have to increase our relationship in that sense. So, um, how does it benefit my walk with God? Um, I want a spouse, but it feels wrong, like I'm betraying God. Um, will this help build my relationship with God? I think, I think we covered that. Okay. Yeah, I think it comes down to um, also just the heart of everything. You know, like anything in your life could replace God. If, yeah, done like a, a lot of can ultimately become destructive. If you make anything ultimate in your life, it's going to ultimately become destructive. So that could be marriage, that could be ministry, that could be family, that could be in-laws, that could be your uh, spouse, anything. And so, of course, anything has the potential to take the place of God or to replace that desire that you have for God. But um, Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, specifically, I want a spouse that it feels wrong, like I'm betraying God. You could you could betray God only by allowing your spouse to be above Him. To, if you any and that's why I'm saying anything done where it, everything is measured by anything higher than God. In other words, if you're measuring everything you do, the next decision you make or or don't because of any thing or person or even circumstances like your job, then you're putting it above God. So you could very easily do that with your spouse as well. So then it would become. I, I don't know that betrayal would be little, but I get that that's what the question is more asking. Like, I feel like I'm doing something to oppose him or something, but only if that person, if you allowed that person to be what takes precedence of your relationship with God. Has anyone experienced like putting something above God in their lives and then realizing it? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Silences, uh, worries, you know, yeah. For sure. Work. Work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all these things that God gave us. So he gave us a job. He gave us different things to ultimately help with our walk with him. Help, you know, if, if done right, you can use your work or your business to benefit the kingdom. But if that becomes ultimate, then ultimately it's going to become destructive. And the same is true with marriage. What's the number one thing for men and women to remember in a marriage relationship? I mean, the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus. No, um, I mean, yes, yes. yes but um, I feel like we're always, what did you say? It's like Sunday school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, it is, and it has to be. If he's the creator of relationships. He created Adam and Eve. He created relationships. He established them. So if he is, you know, I always refer back to like, if you have a Ford or whatever it is, a model, a car, and there's something wrong with it and no one can figure it out, you'd have to figure out what the owner's manual says, what the maker of the creator of that vehicle to get direction on how to write the situation. And so the same things to be said about, you know, relationships with God and I mean, relationships in any capacity, specifically marriage, and and um, what that's asking about, and so it would have to mean that everything's going to have to be again filtered through um, a what your relationship with God is, 
and what he wants your relationship with your spouse to look like. If he's the creator of it, then he knows how to get it in right standing and functioning and working properly and even at its best, right? So, yeah. In the Bible, if you take like two key words that they have to, they work better together. So there's two things in a marriage that isolated, they're good, but when you put them together in a marriage, it becomes even better. So I was thinking, we, we, we always think about what are, what do you guys think are some things that go good together? So like peanut butter and jelly, jelly. cereal and milk. milk. Coffee and macaroons. Um, coffee and macaroons. <laughs> All right. So coffee is the bomb.com by itself, right? Macaroons are awesome by themselves, but when you have them together, which we actually did just a few days ago, it just is just an even better combination. So the Bible, when, when talking about marriage, the Bible says uh, women love your wives. No, no. Or women respect, I know, women respect your husbands and men love your wives. So respect and love, in my opinion, would be the number one thing. So the number one thing for men would be love. The number one thing for women would be respect. And they go hand in hand. So respect is awesome by itself. Love is awesome by itself. But when you put those things together in marriage, and they're a byproduct of each other. Like, yeah. if I want to be respected as a man, then I better, she better know that I love her and vice versa. If she wants to, if she wants to be loved, then she, she better be letting me know that I'm respected. Does that make sense? And so, so those are kind of, kind of my number one thing for men and women would be love and respect because everything else stems from love and respect because I mean, it, it can look different ways. There's different symptoms of not feeling that way, but love and respect would be. What I would Does anyone have their kind of what what they think the number one thing is, or any thoughts on that? Um, when you did our like premarital counseling, you had told us that like it took a hundred percent and hundred percent, not the very common like it's a fifty-fifty thing, and I think that's always stuck with us, like. Just give it everything, not just your your percentage, and then done. I would also say like meet selflessness. Selflessness is huge. You can't even do respect or love without selflessness. Selflessness, like if you're selfish, then those things are very hard to do. Um, if you're just waiting for the person to do what they're doing for you to do it, that's selfish. To be selfless would mean laying yourself down and doing it anyways, because it's the the selfless thing to do and I think something else is really just being selfless um, especially husbands if we're if we're going to be the example of Jesus to the church then it's our job to what what did Jesus do he came to protect us right he came to save us he came to basically stand in the way of us and anything that's going to harm us including ourselves so he took that away he took away what was meant to harm us so he he put himself in the middle and and that's what we as husbands are to do to lay down our desires to lay down our wants to lay down our needs to lay down because if we're doing what jesus did for the church then what did he say not my will but your will be done so in my mind 
if we're to be the example of Jesus to the to of Jesus and the church to our wives, then we have to be willing to lay down like, okay, yeah, we both want to go back to school. Well, I'm going to lay down my desire to go back to school so you can do it first. You know, just an example. Neither one of us are going back to school. <laughs> <laughs> How do you work around having opposite love languages? Um, well, I, I create your I, own. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have the same. Like his has always been one of his first ones. Has always been. Um, I can only say off of experience, obviously, with this one, but, like, his first one has always been um, physical all touch. Much. No, well, his are all pretty equal, but physical touch is always in, and that's, like, one of my least. And so it can be one of those things that it, it, it kind of boils back down to selflessness. That's how you work around it. You're just selfless. You're taking away your – you're opposing everything in your flesh to meet the needs of the person you know that you want to show love to and if that's their love language then you learn how to do it and even more like it comes back down to your heart like why what's your heart mind why you don't have that specific one why is it maybe all of them should be your love language you know kind of in that way and so some of it is just deciding that well that's going to be my love language then because I want to be at one with you you know and yeah. so yeah it really is just selflessness yep um, does everyone know what their love language is? Are you, is everybody familiar with what that is? And the other thing too is like talking to people, like finding out, you know, if you have a friend that you talk to, like what are some ways that I can, you know, show that in their love language, if maybe there's somebody else that can give you insight, you know, somebody that you can ask, well, what are some ways find out what their love language is and it may be the same as what your spot, you know, you can kind of. I mean, and it's even just doing what they do. <laughs> so like they, the, the way that those work is usually show your love language. That's how you also, it's your high, if you're high one, that's how you usually show it. So that's how he's stopped predominantly showing to me. And I have to respond to that. So really it's also response, respond to that because then it, it would have to line up, you know, with, if I don't, like, he's going to walk by. There, I'm going to be honest, real free and honest right now. Like, there was a season where, because I didn't like that, sometimes he would walk, he would go to walk by me, but he, uh, in my subconscious, and my not thoughts, I'd be like, he's going to touch me. And, like, it was never anything bad. It was always, you know, it wasn't like groping me or anything, but he would, like, touch me, and some, because it didn't naturally it doesn't come naturally to me in my head. I had to be like, again, address the heart and be like, why, why am I even bothered by that? Stop him. Like, don't do that. And, you know, again, it's just getting your flesh to line up with love. It is his love language. You need, you love, you say you love him. And so stop that. <laughs> and so some of it is like, again, just selflessness, but also just responding and, and deciding to be, your way isn't the right way always. And just because it doesn't come naturally doesn't make it right for you not to and those sorts of things. So, Yeah, too bad it's not just, that's not how you determine who you marry, like whoever has the same love language as you. Wouldn't that be easy? Oh, like, it doesn't happen. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's going to work. 
Um, is it right for a believer to date or marry an unbeliever? And um, that kind of goes along with, I think there was something in here about, like, what does it mean to be unequally yoked? And um, so I don't know if everybody knows, but what a yoke is. Do you know what a yoke is? It's the, the wooden bar that, that keeps, uh, like, horses together. And if one is smaller or weaker and one is larger, it's going to be hard to pull the same direction, right? It's going to end up, it's just going to pull kind of, they're going to more work against each other than together. And um, the scripture talks about opposites, basically light and darkness, Christ and Satan, and an unbeliever and a believer. And in that sense, you know, of course, when you marry, it's, the Bible is talking about just not engaging in any sort of close-knit relationship with someone who doesn't share your same moral beliefs, doesn't share your same interests and things like that when it comes to a believer or a non-believer, because that's really a deal breaker. I mean, it's like going into having a business relationship. If, if Sam and I had completely different beliefs when it came to morals, when it came to he was an unbeliever and I was a believer or vice versa, we would not be able to make sound business decisions together because eventually there's going to become a conflict. And so that's the same thing with uh, why yeah, any relationship. It's always somebody's going to end up compromising, and we've seen it over well, and over. Even I say, like, even marriage aside or dating aside, like, I, I mean, I've told my kids some, for a long time, like, when they choose their friends, you know, you're usually going to go one direction or the other. Like if they're, if they're into something, even if it's not morally wrong, but it's just not something you're into, it's their hobby. Like, and it's something they're really, really, you know, that's important to them and they spend their time doing it, all those things. Eventually to kind of build the friendship, you tend to try to do the same things together. And, or, and or, you pull that person away from that and they go your way and you're doing the th they're doing the things you do. It just is over time when you spend time with people building relationships, that's just the tendency. Sometimes that's drinking. You know, if, if you're not, if you don't want to drink, don't hang around with people that choose to do that as a regular thing because unless, unless you can get them to come your way, they're going to let you go, they're going to get you to go their way. And so that's also, I think, really important when it comes to the unbeliever or a believer, like you, it's not healthy to get into a dating relationship, certainly with somebody right off the bat, because dating implies that you want a future with them. And so really before you can have a future with them, there needs to be that foundational, that, of, like you said, you know, some things are a deal breaker right out the gate. Doesn't mean you can't still be a friend, but for right now we're not gonna, not gonna look at the future together. You're, you know, I hope you get to know Jesus without me first is kind of the, the better way to go about it and then talk about being on the same that's a you know you need to be on the same page there it will you'll go one direction or they'll go the other I mean is the kind of idea there yeah and you can have it's obviously not like oh once you're a believer you just isolate yourself from everybody else but it's more finding well who am I going to let into that like next level of friendship just like any close-knit relationship. <laughs> um, a friend is struggling with their parents getting divorced after 40 years. The dad was cheating and planning a wedding, 
with a mistress. The dad is a worship pastor at the church. After his senior pastor talked with the parent, they put him on leave and said they couldn't support the mom's choice to divorce her husband. My friend is obviously confused, hurt, and furious at the church. How would you counsel my friend, and how do you view the situation? Do you feel like the other church handled it correctly? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to answer this without knowing a lot of some details that, that aren't here. Um, you know, I know that there's marriages that have seen the opposite side of a, a, an adulterous situation, a, a cheating situation. And, and I don't know that the pastors aren't trying to counsel him and help them to see their marriage, you know, get restored. Um, and if they're not, then that's a different situation. So if we're saying that they're not doing that, that they're just kind of siding with the, the, which again, I don't know that, but um, then of course that would be hard to deal with as far as the church is concerned in addressing that situation. But it's, but in, in lieu of what we don't know, I'll just answer, do you feel like the other church handled it correctly? Um, regardless of how they handled it, um, she just has to decide, this daughter has to decide to heal. Because the interesting thing about any relationships, even your relationship with your church, is there's a whole lot of imperfect people on both sides of that relationship. I mean, the same here, right? Same here. Any relationship you have, I always tell my kids this too. Another thing like, you are, don't ever put all your eggs in my basket, so to say. Like, I'm, I'm a fool compared to God. So I will fail you, even with the best of intentions, the most love I have for you, I might fail you. I won't, I don't want to, and that's certainly not my heart, but I will hurt you unintentional, even if unintentionally, right? And that's not implying that that's okay on my part. What it is doing is it's taking and facing them to Christ and saying, you know, put all your eggs in that basket, so to say. And so for her to heal either way, she can't control, just like my kids can't control my my behavior no more than I can control theirs. Ish. Um, <laughs> but like the reality is there's always that other person, that uh, this other imperfect relationship that you have, you're trying to have a perfect relationship with, never going to have that, right? Because the only the only perfect relationship you can have with, is with his Christ. And so if you're allowing him to be the source, then it, it brings in grace for those relationships. It keeps you from being unforgiving and bitter towards somebody who may never change. The church may be completely wrong in that situation. And irregardless, she needs to decide no matter what, though, I'm going to face Christ and I'm going to choose healing in my own life. I'm going to walk out healing with my parents. Again, that's tough, right? Because now you've got two people who knows what that's like. You've got two people that are going through their own stuff. And so I think the best counsel I could give this friend is just point yourself towards Christ. Run as fast as you can into his arms and let him take care of everybody else that's a mess right now, including you. Um, so. And I think just from the church, from a church perspective, like the church is always supposed to be a support system, regardless of the situation. And so without knowing the full backstory, but I can say like, I can confidently say like, we would stand as, as this church to support, like, just like I say, like you can belong to this church 
even if you don't even believe in God. So, you know, my opinion doesn't matter. Like if you choose, like if you, if you're making the choice that you're going to do go through with this divorce or whatever the case may be, we're going to give you counsel of what we feel based on everything that we know. But at the end of the day, you would never hear, you would never hear us say like, well, we're not going to support you in that, whatever your decision is, because that, you know, we're, we're, we create an environment and a platform for you to bump into Jesus and let the Holy Spirit speak to you because that's a Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not our job. And so just from a church. How do you make time for the fun of marriage when in the, when you're in the midst of the busy work, kids, etc.? Balance. <laughs> priorities that um, it'll happen it'll happen naturally when the the priorities are where they're supposed to be and it always just boils down to your heart right like when uh, when stuff gets off in all of those areas because they will right because we're just busy creatures and and again imperfect creatures and I feel like the biggest thing is just like where are those things on I always say totem pole and that's I suppose, but I always just say, like, where are those things on the total pole of your life? Where have you put those things? And if you're putting everything where they belong, where God says they belong. So God says, you know, me first, your marriage next, your kids next, ministry next, serving me, and then everything else comes after. So if those things are in order, then it will honor God and he'll honor the things, the desires of your heart as well. And so if it feels like your life is off whack, chances are those things aren't stacked up properly in your priorities in life. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's also not having a pre a preconceived expectation of what that looks like. In other words, so, you know, maybe art, sometimes art, sometimes the only chance we get, sometimes our date nights are going grocery shopping. Or, you know, just going to grab a few things at the store because the kids are in bed and we have some time to go or whatever, you know, and it's like, okay, well, am I going to take maximize and take that time to engage in a conversation? And like, that's kind of where that fun of marriage will start or even just purposely carving out time to say, no, we are going to go on a date or we are going to do something, even though it's like, yeah, we're, we're maxed out time-wise, like, if there was some other appointment that needed to happen, we'd make time for that. So it's like, why don't, why are we not putting our spouse in that priority? Because if it was a work meeting, we'd carve out time for that. Or if it was a conference call, or if it was an estimate, or if it was a walkthrough, like I would carve out time in my schedule for that. So why would anything be different when it comes to my marriage? I think it's also a mentality shift too. I think. Um... <laughs> something that we've always done right. in our relationship, right? Is, you know, it's, I say this, I even said this to Jessica and Jessica and I'm like, you know, having the mentality, like I'd rather stare at a hole in the wall right next to you and do just that than with anybody else. Do the most exciting things with anybody else. And it is the mentality of just like, so then everything else that we get to get, get to do together then, because there's that mentality change, everything we get together, do together is like, like we get to do this. Like how often do we say like, do we get to do this together? Like, this is so cool that we get to do this together. And it could be very simple things, but if your mentality is like, I would just do anything with you, then everything just becomes this added plus. 
anything you get to do outside of just the basic everyday life stuff, if you're grateful for those things, then when there's other things you're like, dang, like that was so amazing. They become the, you know, telescope picture of your life now instead of you micro seeing things which you don't have or what you're not doing or what you're not getting out of your relationship or whatever. And so I think it is a mentality change for sure. Of just, you know, literally like, well, let's go take the trash out together and I'm going to kiss you on the way out and that's cool. Like <laughs> We get to do that. Like how many times have we said, like, we still want to say like, it's weird that we're married, right? Like, that's cool that we're married. Did you think that we, did you ever think we'd be married? Like, that's so cool. Like, just really building off of what you get out of life. And, yeah. Yeah. Then everything else just seems like a lot more than it actually is. And who cares? Like, you know, like, anything else is just, yeah. The only hole you wouldn't want to look at is if I made the hole. Then you wouldn't want to look at it. Do you want to go there? No. <laughs> Um, how does one know when they have found the perfect spouse? How do you get up? <laughs> there is no such thing as a perfect spouse. Um, do you know why I said that? Run. Oh, yeah. So do you want? So basically, I mean, the way that we've always talked about it is like, if you're, I mean, most everyone here is married, but for those of you that aren't married, like, if you're literally. Oh, perfect timing, Jeremy. Um, if you're literally chasing after Jesus with everything that you have and you're serving him with everything that you have and you look over to the side and you're like, you see somebody going the same direction, you're like, hey, man, do you want to come with me? We're going the same direction. I mean, hey, well, man. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, hey, man, that's kind of awkward. Um, but, you know, literally, it's like, hey, we're going the same direction. You want to go together? Oh, sort of thing. you there. You here. Yeah. Like, and that's what, I mean, that's the simplest way, I think, without really getting into. Overcomplicating what it could really be. Like, just, again, yeah. pointing everything back to Jesus. It's just really hard not to. But the reality is, is if you're going after him with everything that you have, He's going to bless you with those desires. And if that desire is to have somebody else um, doing it next to you, then there you go. If you're seeking him with all your heart, you're not gonna make you're not gonna make the wrong decision. Um, which I guess kind of ties into it says, is there such a thing as a soulmate? Um, so soulmate is kind of tricky. If you're married, look at your spouse. It's your soulmate. <laughs> That's your soulmate. So, um, you know, a lot of times a soulmate can be kind of sound weird or essentially a soulmate is somebody who's, we're like the perfect, like peanut butter and jelly. Like this is my soulmate. And sometimes people can get frustrated. When it looks like peanut butter and mustard. Exactly. When it looks like peanut butter and mustard. Uh, and say, oh, well, that, that this wasn't my soulmate, so I think we'll just get a divorce because, you know, she's just, she does, we don't fit as well. We're just, we're just going different directions. We're just not on the same page. We're just uh, two different people. We're just changing. Whatever lingo people use, however people try to package it up, the reality is, is who you're married to, that's your soulmate. And if you're selflessly, if you're dying to your own wants and desires, you will become the perfect fit for your spouse mm -hmm. is the reality of it. 
and you'll become exactly what they need for you to be, and you will also be, you'll, they will also become what you need for them to be. And on the opposite side of that, if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a way out of that because you're seeing, you're choosing to see everything they're not, they're quote unquote not your soulmate because they must not be because we don't have the same love language or whatever it is. If you, you don't see eye to eye on so many things or da 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 da, like, well, then of course you're going to not feel like that's the one. And you're going to start looking for somebody else that you think is the one. And so, you know, it, it, but if you're only focused on that, that's, that it's so, you know, soulmate, where's sovereignty? Where's God's sovereignty in that? Mm-hmm. You know, as far as when I say God's sovereignty, like where is his, him having the say over the direction of your life and the other person's life? You're just like, well, I must have missed the target there. I mean, what if your soulmate is not even in this continent? and Or what if you were living in the world and not making good choices and didn't even know anything about God and you picked each other and your lives were both a mess? And that is actually, like, how many people do you know that's what they did? They didn't pick each other for the right reasons. They weren't running after Christ and looked over and saw the other person there. That's not how they started. But that isn't the point. Like, you're in, you're, you're now saying, okay, God, I'm counting on you to come in and, and, and fix that. I'm counting on what you did on the cross as being enough to even make this relationship your perfect will for my life. And so, yeah, don't get caught up in soulmate, per se. <laughs> yeah, once again, it comes back to seek him first and don't lean on your own understanding and he's going to direct your path. And that can be said with every area of of your life, but even just talking about so many people you hear like get paralyzed for fear of making the wrong decision or fear of not hearing God's voice. But the reality is if your heart's in the right place, you're seeking him, you're not relying on your own understanding, you're allowing him to direct your path, then it's going to be okay. You're not that important that you could screw up God's will that bad. None of us are. Yeah. None of us have that much control that we can screw up God's will that bad. So take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> How do you encourage slash teach slash enforce your kids to wait to date? That's funny. What are we talking about? Relationships. You better have a relationship with your children. Otherwise, it's just a role. It won't, it'll just be like these boundaries, which that's often when people even struggle with the relationship with God is because they've made it all about roles. I mean, even when Jesus was here, he would tell the Pharisees and stuff like, because they'd always be about the rules. And he would always try to draw it back to, but like, but your God wants this. They didn't know it yet, but Jesus was here to get rid of just the rules part. You know, they're there as a safety net, but Again, the roles are there for a safety net for our children. They are a safety net, but that it is just roles then if you're not building a relationship, if you're not giving them a reason, if you're not giving them the why behind the role. We're protecting you. It's the umbrella. We're trying to protect you from getting wet and getting and drowning in that. And, yep. you know, but it is always going to boil down to having a relationship with them. Or again, it'll just feel like roles. And the cool thing, I think, with the obviously with the exception of us and the furloughs, like you guys have a few years till you get to that point, hopefully. <laughs> um, but uh, 
get on the same page with each other and let it be a topic of discussion. Like talk about it before you're actually in the situation and dealing with it. Like, how do you feel about it? And there's certain things that you talk about and like they change, you know, like I remember when we first got married, I was like, the girls are never going to prom. Oh, they're never wearing a two piece swimsuit. They're never like we had, you know, I had all these hopes and dreams when we first got married. But of course those things change, you know, and I like came back to reality. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be that way. But we were both on the same page about like, they really don't have any business dating in high school. Like there's statistically, you know, being in youth ministry, we heard all the statistics and learned about the fact like you're not going to marry your high school sweetheart, you know, statistically. And it's a very small percentage. And, um, that's the whole so now point you're of dating, dating somebody who isn't your spouse. Like you're dating right. somebody else's spouse. Like there's all these little things that you really think like, is that, is that, that's the conversations you have. Like, right. we're not saying it's the worst thing in the world, but the reality is you're just kind of biding your time and dating somebody else's spouse now. And for what? For <laughs> what? Broken heart. So it's, it's being on the same page here, but then it's also having the, like, Believing in believing that believing in what your roles are. Does that make sense? So I'm not just saying no dating because uh, that's the Christian. That's the church. If if you don't if you don't truly believe there's anything wrong with it, then don't try to enforce something. You don't. You're not going to be able to stand behind. You know, it's like there's no way you can have a bit. If you don't believe in a product, you're not going to be able to sell it. And so if you don't believe in the concept of not dating, then don't try to sell that to your kids because it won't work. So first make it here and then make sure you're that there's a conviction about it and you're going to stand behind it because then it's much easier to talk it out and say, yeah, this is what I believe. I mean, some more, I guess, practical things just in regards to that, I think that are helpful is just like some of the conversations that were had um, and still to be had um, and continually had is just like, hey, like you guys know our job is to protect you and like to teach you how to protect yourself and how to keep in, in talking to them about what that looks like in regards to other people and being in relationships with other people. And like, you know, I, I always gave them this, like, so in fourth grade dating looks like this and, you know, it just, it's innocent. It's you're just call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. There's probably maybe not a whole, hopefully not a whole lot going on with physical anything. It's just like, yeah, he's, this is so-and-so is my boyfriend and I'm his girlfriend. Fine. Then weeks later, days, who knows, you're not anymore. And so-and-so has moved on and they're with somebody else. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm fine with that. Or maybe you're not and you're sad. So did you protect yourself there or you kind of, didn't protect your heart because now your heart's feeling something there, right? Something's there. Maybe not too big of a deal. You could be over it, whatever, right? There's not a lot of tie there. Then, but as you get older, it progresses, right? So in seventh grade, after many, maybe possibly many other relationships that you went through, it come, it becomes like a different expectation of what a boyfriend and a girlfriend looks like. So now you're Maybe you're just holding hands, maybe more, whatever it is, continues. And as that continues, your heart continues to get more and more unprotected along the way. And then in high school, there's a whole slew of other stuff. You know, I mean, it just progresses. And so you're progressively giving your heart away and not protecting it. And you do, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter anymore. Because at some point, you've done it so many times 
And again, please hear me. The sovereignty of God covers all of that. Like he is going to mend up those areas as time goes on. You get God. I mean, I'm a testimony to God healing whatever I didn't protect along the way because my mom didn't have those roles or I didn't have that relationship. So please hear that. But in regards to our children, I have to be able to say like, the hope is that you wouldn't have to have given pieces of you away along the way and not protecting your heart. And so I just think that's always helpful to hear. And again, who cares that if you make the mistake, that's what, that's the business of the cross then, right? Whatever mistakes we make in any regard, relationships, um, personal stuff that we make choices uh, the people we hurt that have nothing to do with dating. Um, that's the business of the cross. And so don't hear that as like, oh my gosh, if you made mistakes, then you know, you just messed everything up because thankfully <laughs> we didn't have that. You know, and I'm sure many of you can attest that this is still an amazing relationship because of the work done on the cross. And that's again where you have to take everything back to the reality of what Jesus did and what he did as an example for us to be able to be whole, no matter what the situation is, not broken. Um, so yeah. Just a few more, we won't take up too much time. Um, I don't know that we'll get through all of these questions, yeah. obviously, but just a few. Um, how can you keep the romance alive in marriage as years pass by? And I think it's kind of like the mentality thing, like just remembering that when you were giddy with each other and you like just didn't couldn't wait to the next time to see them like just remember that's still there it's still there you just have to find it sometimes um it gets lost in the busyness or with time but the more often you practice those things it'll happen it just will not being led by your flesh and your emotions or be led by your flesh i mean there's that in the romance department i never leave you alone <laughs> um, i mean yeah you know it's it's like sometimes there's you go through seasons in your marriage you go through i guess you can say seasons where you don't necessarily feel like being romantic or you don't necessarily feel like doing anything when and not me <laughs> um but you know, sometimes you just like, you know, I don't really feel like getting her flowers today, to be honest. But I'm not talking about me. I'm asking for a friend. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes, but it's just like, no, this is the right thing to do. And this is what I'm going to yeah. do. And I'm going to do it if it means that getting that smile on her face. And then your feelings will line up eventually. You know, and it's like, I'm going to just put my feelings aside because, again, we're the example of Jesus to the church. So we're going to lay down how we feel to keep that romance alive. Sometimes I think it's just keeping eye on, making sure you're recognizing and having that awareness of like, oh, yeah, but we haven't flirted in a while or we haven't, like, just gave each other a hug in a while or don't hold hands when we're at the store. Like, keep, keep, be aware of that and then take the initiative and do it, you know. So. Any tips for communication in marriage? Do it. Download Marco Polo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do that. Communicate. 
Talk about anything and everything so that when you have to talk about everything, <laughs> you're not so off. Yeah, I think one thing that we do now, you know, it has, I don't know how long it's been, but, you know, we'll be able to sometimes when we're eating breakfast or sitting at the breakfast table or having coffee or something in the morning, a lot of times we'll just, I'll ask a question like that'll spark, you know, maybe it's something that we disagree about and we just want to dialogue about it. Or maybe it's something that we're like, is just something that will get us talking about it. And you know, it, I think it, it helps because then when we have to handle, when we have to put out a fire, it's easier to communicate because we've already kind of, like, I know her communication style. I know how I can tend to react or respond to certain things that she says, and it's like a learning experience, you know, so. Yeah, I think it's definitely about being on. Um making it the regular thing don't get so busy again with life that you forget that you love this person and that you want to spend time with them and that you know you you want to know their opinion about it they, they should be the first person you think to tell when you have hard things and good things they should be the first person that you and if you're doing that with other people then that's where the balance is off too you know right like you should be the most excited to be i can't wait to tell him this or i can't wait to feel safe enough and have a moment so that he can hear how hard my day was or whatever it is but that's and if they're not that's when you go why isn't that the case and start talking about you start talking to yourself a little bit and god about why your heart isn't there um, because you really should want to talk to them about everything and anything yeah, yeah for sure. 